Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. This podcast is proudly sponsored by Durham Inu. Durham is a blockchain-based business with a mission to support minor league baseball players with the trading of its RBI token. Uh, these guys are professional baseball players or professional athletes, but they are underpaid and struggle to make rent, afford nutritious meals, pay for gear, support their families. They train, they perform at a high level. Uh, they're trying to make their dreams of being a big league baseball player a reality. But a lot of these players uh, often need uh, two jobs, three jobs during the off season, just so that they can try to keep their dream of being a baseball player alive. I've talked to guys who've uh, been teachers in the off season, substitute teachers, uh, construction workers. I've talked to guys who uh, put together furniture. They've been on this show. They've told me the struggle that they go through. The mission of Durham is simple. They want to help minor league players by putting money directly into their hands so they can use it for their personal needs and focus more on the game of baseball. By allowing them to focus on baseball and what's important to them, Durham is helping to create a more sustainable pathway to success for players and supporting the entire minor and major league baseball ecosystem as a whole. This project works by collecting a small tax on every transaction of the crypto token. These taxes are sent to a treasury which is used to make payments directly to the players in the form of Durham sponsorships. The amount of money in the treasury is directly dependent on the trading volume. So the more people who buy the token, the more money there is and the value of the token will rise and allows us to support more minor league baseball players. Uh, for those who are tech savvy when it comes to the crypto world, Durham, uh, their RBI token has a 10% buy tax, a 15% sell tax, a deflationary burn mechanism, multi-signature protection on the treasury wallet, and a liquidity lock of 100 years. To get involved with the community and support the mission, purchase RBI. Go to DurhamEnu.com for the official contract if you're a baseball player. And also Uniswap by link so that you can go on there and help support these minor leaguers. All right, I am super excited about my guest today, uh, a baseball player in the St. Louis Cardinals organization, Evan Mendoza, drafted in the 11th round back in 2017. How's it going, Brian? It's going really well. How are you doing? I'm doing well. Like I was telling you right before you jumped on here, um, I'm visiting my parents in California for for a week so i am outside of wisconsin um the weather there is not not ideal it's really hot here i should have like kind of eased into it because uh the weather is a huge difference now by like 60 70 degrees difference but uh no man i'm loving it uh oh right off the bat let's talk about this so i saw you play yesterday i was watching it on tv and there was a dog in center field um and it was kind of roaming around in the back of behind center field and then it was in like the the, the bullpen like is that your guys's dog like what is that I actually didn't even really see that. I might have been out in, uh, you know, in the clubhouse, uh, you know, going to the bathroom or something like that. I actually didn't see that. I had a, a family member uh, tell me that the same exact thing. And I was like, what dog are you guys talking about? Like, I wasn't there. Like, what what's going on? And I guess there was. I just didn't really notice it. Yeah, it was. I saw it in like maybe like the sixth, maybe between the sixth or seventh yeah. inning. Um, mm -hmm. And I was like, okay. Maybe this is like like the clubhouse dog or something that you guys no, just kind of no, bring for like. I didn't, I, I'm not, I'm not sure really. <laughs> All right, well we'll have to we'll have to do some investigation work, figure that out, figure why there was a dog. It jumped into like the arms of like some of the bullpen guys. 
Oh. And like they were walking around carrying it. So I was like, all right, this is like maybe one of those good luck dogs. But no worries. Um, how, has, uh, how, was your, how was your spring training? And I know you just started um, the season, but let's, let's talk about your spring training. How was that, man? Spring training went really well. I feel like I started swinging a pretty hot bat and I got off to a good start. I hit three home runs uh, in just a short period of time. So I felt like I was, you know, getting getting the ball rolling. And, uh, you know, I, I felt like I was productive to get into baseball shape. Um, and then just playing around some of the, the big names like Pujols and Yachty. Um, you know, it's always fun. I've been able to, you know, share a clubhouse with Yachty and uh, Wainwright and Arenado before. Um, but this year is pretty special to be able to play on the same field as Albert Pujols. He was basically my idol growing up, um, probably my second most favorite player of all time behind Cal Ripken. But either way, you know, it was, it was pretty special and uh, was actually able to hit a home run when they were in our dugout. So coming back into the dugout and seeing those guys uh, congratulate me was uh, pretty awesome. Yeah, let's talk about that. Because like you said, you're playing with Wayno, uh, Yachty, um, now Pujols, which is just a legend in, in, in the car- for the Cardinals. And uh, obviously played for the Angels and now come back for his uh, his last season, I'm assuming, with staying with uh, Wainwright and um, Yachty. Uh, but just being able to spend that last, like, spring training with them, like, how incredible was that? Like, do you ever, like, pinch yourself and think, like, I just yeah. hit a home run and then got celebrated by mm-hmm. some of these guys who are just legends? Yeah, that, that's definitely going to be a, a memory I hopefully be able to tell my grandkids one day, and they probably are going to be like, you know, Grandpa, you're 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 lying. You're not. You never played with fools. I'm like, no, trust me, I did. Like, look at this picture or whatever. Um, but no, that, that those are memories that I'm gonna remember for you know forever. Um, so I'm I'm excited that I was able to create those. Yeah, and hopefully, uh, you you're obviously in AAA. Hopefully, you make the majors and you can share more of those memories. Um, hit a couple more home runs. Get a couple more celebrations with some of the guys there. Um, so how has the first couple of games been for you so far in, uh, in the season? I mean, obviously you said, you said you got off to a hot start. You had a couple of hits uh, already. How's that been going? Yeah. Uh, well, yesterday was, uh, we had a day game, uh, we unfortunately lost, but went one, one for four with an RBI, uh, played, uh, a decent shortstop. I, I was kind of frustrated with myself because there were, there were two really, really hard plays. One was a, a deep fly ball. That was kind of a no man's land, uh, it was basically in between me and the center fielder um, and it tipped off my glove. So I was kind of frustrated with that because I have a, a little rule to myself. If it hits the glove, that means I should have caught it. Um, so I was frustrated that I just barely missed that one. And then there's also a, a, a ball in the deep, like five, six hole. And uh, again, tipped off my glove. I wouldn't have probably been able to make any play. So it didn't count as an error or anything, but um that's kind of my, my rule of thumb is if it hits the glove, I should be able to at least be able to catch it. Um, so, um, yeah, but overall pretty good. Yeah. And like, how do you, speaking of that, like, so how do you, when you make something like that, not necessarily an error, but in your mind, like you should have caught that. Like, how do you move on from that? Like, how do you just say, okay, like it's the next play I'm going to get this. Like how, how hard mentally is that for you? It's just having that mindset of, you know, moving on and, trying to make the next play. Uh, having short-term memory loss is a great thing in the game of baseball. Um, but just to kind of keep that confidence that you are uh, the player that you are uh, helps me out as far as being on defense on, you know, making, you know, the routine play and then trying to make the spectacular play every once in a while. 
Yeah, no, for sure. Um, so let's let's talk about how you got into baseball. Obviously, you, you were playing in Florida, uh, a hotbed of talent. There's a lot of talent coming out of Florida. Um, obviously, it's different than like some states where it snows. Like it's it's nice all the time, right? So there's so much time to train. Um, how was it playing in in high school there um, with all that talent? Like, how good was your team? Like, were you guys pretty good? Yeah, uh, my high school team was very good. I think we had seven or eight guys from my uh, graduation class um, actually play some sort of professional baseball. So that was obviously a, a large number. I think out of those seven or eight guys, I think like eight or nine of them went to go play college ball um, and committed to a, a college. So we we had a great team. Um, loaded full of talent and it was one of the better teams that I think the high school uh, of Sarasota high school really created and generated um, that talent. I think we all knew that Sarasota high school, the sailors had the best baseball program rich in history. So we all wanted to go and attend Sarasota high and we all kind of did. So it, it was a great experience to be able to play in such a, you know, baseball town with rich history uh, being able to meet guys like Scooter Jeanette, Ian Desmond, K- Casey Kelly, all those guys attended Sarasota High and had a pretty, you know, they all have or had great careers in, in the big leagues. No, absolutely. You know, for sure. And like you said, you went to a school where like all this rich history and then you get drafted by the Cardinals. Again, another organization mm-hmm. with uh, a ton of rich history. And we'll talk about that in a second. But at what point did you realize like you could hang with these other guys? Because uh, obviously, like you said, it's a big, a good school. Uh, like at what point did you realize like I can actually make something and you used to, used to pitch too. So like at what point yeah. did you realize like I'm, I'm pretty good? Yeah, I'd say uh, towards the tail end of my sophomore year of college. Uh, that's when I really started to focus on my infield and my hitting. And it all started to come together. And this is when I was playing against fully grown guys who are 20 years old, 21 years old. So that's when pitching can be up to you know the mid to upper 90s and I was still able to hit um, pretty well and for a high average as well. So uh, that's when I started understanding that my talent was able to take me places and I had a strong possibility of getting drafted the following year um, in 2017. Did you play any other any other sports in high, in high school or is it pretty much just baseball? For the most part it was just baseball. Um, baseball was uh, and always has been my passion. Uh, from a really young age, I played a few games of soccer. I've always been really athletic. I love playing basketball, uh, volleyball, racquetball. Those are some of my favorites. Um, I want to get into pickleball. It's really big in South Florida, um, but I, I just haven't gotten to it yet. But uh, for the most part, really athletic as a kid. Loved playing and experimenting different with different sports. And uh, I feel like that definitely helped me to grow into an athlete. Mm-hmm. For sure. So let's talk about then that recruiting process, because you obviously went to uh, a good school. Um, like how what, what, other, what other schools were you interested in and like how were like the visits um, in that recruiting process? Yeah, I, I only went on a few visits um, to the to the schools that I was really interested in. And I, I kind of had a set list of the criteria that I was looking for. Uh, number one, having a great baseball program rich in history. That's obviously where my passion will always be. So I wanted that to be number one um, and all that comes with it, the good facilities, the good program, good coaches. It had to have a homey feeling. Um, so those are all the things that I put into the equation. Uh, number two priority was definitely that it had to have the major that I was interested in studying, which was aerospace engineering. 
Um, not many schools offer aerospace. And that was something that I really was determined to study. Um, I later found out that aerospace engineering probably wasn't for me because we had such strict classes that we had to take where uh, a mechanical engineering degree, you have a little bit more freedom with what classes you could have taken and much more fun labs and whatnot. So unfortunately, I kind of made a little bit of a mistake there. But either way, my mind in the recruiting process was I want a good baseball program and a good like school. I want a good college um, as a backup plan. I've always kind of had that idea of having a backup plan. Not that I don't believe in myself and my baseball abilities. I think it's just smart to always, you know, think ahead. Baseball is not going to last forever. Um, so that was my, my mindset going into the process of, you know, getting recruited. University of Virginia, Rice, uh, located in Houston, Texas. And then, of course, NC State were the three uh, of my top choices. They all, you know, hit the checklist of what I was looking for. And then, of course, NC State just felt the most you know, it just felt like the right decision. Um, and that's what I ended up deciding with and spent three years of my life in Raleigh, North Carolina, and one of the better decisions of my life. So what went into that decision to pick that major of all of all majors? Because I know like some guys yeah. they'll play baseball, they'll just kind of pick yeah. like a, a general major to kind of get, yeah. get in there. But like you have a very, that's a legit, like really difficult major to do. It, it, it certainly was. And I, I think it, it helped me problem solving uh, my problem solving skills. That's one thing that I remember early on. They said aerospace engineering majors always have good problem solving skills. Um, so that's definitely helped me out. But uh, I've always loved planes. My, on my mom's side, there are a bunch of naval pilots. Um, some of them attended the Air Force Academy. A lot of them uh, attended the Naval Academy. And that was actually a university I was thinking about going to. But with the service right after your your college time, um, it didn't fit with baseball really. Um, so I've always had some, you know, I've always had a passion for planes, just like I had a, a passion for um, for baseball, and you know, and uh, that's why I kind of just decided on aerospace engineering. I thought it was going to be a little bit more hands on in the plane aspect, mm -hmm. but I was, you know taking classes about fluid dynamics, static, yeah. and, you know, things that really I didn't have a, a huge passion for. So you, you just wanted to get into, into the plane and start just taking off. like. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I feel like one day I'm definitely going to take, take it upon myself to uh, get my pilot's license. And uh, you never know. Maybe I'll, I'll go buy myself a Cessna or something. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, after that third or fourth contract, it'd be just, you know, yeah. making, get yourself any kind of plane you want. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. Um, so how at, at UNC or sorry, at, how big was the rivalry at with UNC? Can I know on the basketball side, it's, it's big. Like, yeah. is it also there with the baseball side too or no? Uh, pretty much. Yeah. Uh, we both have pretty strong, um, you know, baseball programs. So whenever we faced off, there's definitely some rivalries there. Um, and that usually it, it, it was more created within the fan. Um, but either way, we had a great time competing with one another. Did you ever have any like um, benches clearing or any anything? No. no, nothing. Okay. No, no, no. All right, just curious, just curious. <laughs> um, so your team was obviously pretty good there in college. You had eight guys drafted the same year as you, which again, it's just incredible that you go from these all these incredible places that you played for. Um, so you probably had a really good team in college as well. Like that's that's incredible to have eight guys going pro. Yeah, yeah, we we had a you know a very strong group of guys that you know led 
Um, we only we only made it to a regional uh, all three years, but either way, we had a very strong group of guys and we had a very talented team. And uh, it was one that uh, I'll definitely always remember. Um, what is like maybe one memory for like your playing in college that you kind of take hold on to now? Like you'll always keep with you. Like that's like my biggest moment in my college like career so far. I think it was uh, against uh, Clemson. Uh, my family came in to visit for that series and it was on Friday night. I, I hit a home run to dead center, a three run home run that kind of opened up the game uh, in our favor. And then immediately after the next half inning, we were on defense and it was the first pitch of the inning. There's a foul ball near the third base dugout, and I, I catch the ball and fall over into the dugout. And I actually made Sports Center top play. Um, I was number one for that night, which was an awesome feat because that's something that I've always really wanted to be on as a kid growing up and watching that. So um, both of those events happened within it felt like three or four minutes of each other, and it was a very special moment for um, my family and I. You know, I can't I can believe that. Wow. Sports Center. I'll never be on there, but that's incredible okay. that you were able to make the number one yeah. uh, on there. Um, so obviously you play a couple different positions. You pitched and now you're in the, in the infield. Like, um, what is your favorite position to play? Um, and like, obviously, you're probably shortstop moving forward. But like, what is yeah. your favorite position to play? I think definitely shortstop. I feel like you're the, the quarterback out mm-hmm. there. You can kind of guide traffic, um, let people know, you know, where to be positioned, make sure that they're thinking ahead uh, along with, you know, my mind. And, you know, if this happens, you know, go here. Um, If there's a ball in between us, maybe I cut on this angle where you cut on this angle so we don't collide. Things like that. Just always talking with one another, making sure we're on the same page. It's uh, something that I definitely take uh, a lot of passion or a lot of uh, uh, pride in is, you know, being that that quarterback figure um, on the baseball diamond. Yeah. So that's, that's awesome. So let's talk about your draft experience. Obviously, the Cardinals, again, like I said, their storied franchise, a lot of talent, a lot of history. Um, you trained with guys like Molina, um, now obviously Albert Pujols. Um, like, and I, we kind of touched on this, but just looking at like the draft day when you get drafted by them, like how was that experience? Dream come true. Uh, there's really not too many words other mm-hmm. than that. Uh, be able to hear your name called and to understand that you're going to play at the next level uh and someone has believed in you to give you that opportunity it's a dream come true yeah did you have like a draft party or um what, what was that the draft day like uh it was just um my immediate family we went out to grab dinner i remember going out to siesta key beach when i was in sarasota and kind of just going to the beach for sunset um, but just spent it with my immediate family. It didn't do anything too crazy, but a lot of, uh, emotions and happiness that day. So you, you weren't even at, like at watching the TV, your, your agent just call you when you're at the beach and it's like, Hey, you're, you're on no, the Cardinals. No, so we, uh, we were actually listening to it, um, on basically the internet. Just, mm-hmm. uh, it was basically, a, a phone call on the internet, uh, that was being streamed. So you got to hear a voice. You didn't necessarily get to like see anything. Um, but either way, you know, dream come true. Yeah. Did you know that the Cardinals were interested in you? Cause obviously you do like the yeah, questionnaires yeah, yeah. and all that, but were you pretty confident yeah. that they were going to draft you? Yeah. They, they go through a screening process usually. And they, they, um, for the most part, they, they keep you informed as far as what, what's going on and things like that. 
did you were there any other teams that were um, as heavily interested as the Cardinals, or were you just pretty confident that the Cardinals were going to get you? Yeah, there are there are a handful of others, um, and you know I'm just happy that everything worked out mm-hmm. um, to be part of such a rich um, history yeah. and uh, tradition uh, of a team like the Cardinals. So you're the one that got away for all these other teams watching you play. You're going to make your major league debut. Knock on wood, or not knock on wood, but uh, fingers crossed this season. Uh, yeah. though you're the one that got away from those teams <laughs> um, hopefully hopefully that's the way that we can look at it um, absolutely maybe later this year absolutely so you go from playing the ACC where the travel's nice uh, facilities are nice to the minors in the the New York Penn League how was that adjustment going from ACC to the now life in the minors it, it honestly was a pretty smooth transition for okay. me which I'm very lucky for um, NC State had all the necessary uh, facilities to train mm-hmm. and I feel like in the earlier stages of my pro career especially in rookie ball they kind of think of the same mindset you know do they does each team have the necessary facilities to be able to train and practice and for the most part every every team can say yes to that um, and that's how NC State was our facilities were very clean and nice um, but they weren't anything crazy like an LSU or an Ole Miss or even like maybe Texas. Um, so we had what we needed. Everything was within the stadium for the most part. Um, but then going to you know pro ball, I felt like it was kind of the same. And I was very fortunate to go and spend some time with the State College Spikes, uh, which is in State College, Pennsylvania, right there with uh, Penn State. And uh, you know it just felt like I was in college still. So I was very fortunate to have a smooth transition. Good, awesome. Um, so. <clears throat> This podcast is sponsored by Durham. Um, they're a blockchain-based business looking to sponsor as many and support as many minor leaguers as they can. And I love talking to minor leaguers and hear the stories because sometimes the minors is almost like a mystery, right? We see the big leagues. We see the big league players. And as fans, we sometimes forget about the struggles that these players uh, went through for years to make it to that level that we can watch them like, every day on our TVs. Um, and sometimes you hear the stories um, so I'd like to raise awareness in some of those struggles. Um, like what did, obviously you said you had a smooth transition, but uh, do you have any interesting like minor league stories where you can just see the grind, the struggle that, that maybe you, or maybe you witness others going through? Yeah. I mean, I've had not too many uh, experiences, but there, there have been some where the bus breaks down, uh, the hotel uh, didn't have our reservation to check in at two o'clock in the morning. They they thought it was going to be two o'clock in the afternoon. Oh. So um, we had to scramble at, you know, four o'clock in the morning trying to find a, a place to sleep. Um, things like that, they, they happen, unfortunately, with so much travel that we do. It, it's bound to happen. Um, you know, a lot of just human errors, unfortunately, um, with reservations and whatnot. But you know, you can control, you can control. I I always view it as I'd much rather go through some of this stuff that um, seems um, inconvenient, Mm -hmm. rather than have a desk job. And that's my mentality on it. I I love playing baseball. And that's just part of it. Uh, It's part of the journey, part of the process of going through the tough times to be able to shine on the bigger stage. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And like that uh, travel that's in lodging. That's the big thing that I hear. I know one, one guy told me that uh, they went to the ho- the motel and like the lights, li- the electricity literally didn't work. So they were yeah. walking around with their phones as a flashlight mm-hmm. trying to like play cards 
uh, chilling yeah, yeah. because they had no electricity and no light. Uh, one guy told me same thing. They didn't have a reservation, so they ended up sharing a whole team in two rooms. Um, wow. Yeah. So you hear all these all these crazy stories. Um, like I said, that's why uh, Durham is also you know doing what they can to, to sponsor as many as they can to kind of alleviate that. Um, is there a city that you travel to uh, where you go there and you're wondering like where am I? Like I'm in the middle of nowhere. Um. I'd say, hmm. I know a lot of people would say probably Beloit, um, <laughs> but that's actually not a place that I, yeah. I traveled to. There's a place, uh, I forget the, the city, but it was in like upstate New York um, in the New York Penn League, and it just was not a, a great city to be in. Um, that was definitely one of those times where I was like, man, get me out of here. Um, and I actually played really really well at that series so um maybe that's the the mindset that i need to have a little bit more often it's funny you say beloit and like that's literally the first thing everyone always says i Mm -hmm. i just recorded with uh, a guy in the marlins organization i said you need to have in your twitter bio like uh, um, Beloit uh, Snapper Survivor because you survived playing in that stadium. Obviously, yeah. now they're the Sky Carbon. and they have a beautiful stadium now. But yeah, that stadium is what I hear the most of. One guy actually told me that he went there and it like made him play better because it had nothing fancy. And he said it like brought him back to his roots of just playing like in the yeah. in high school game. Basically, he said it's kind of like how that was. Um, have you had any interesting interactions with fans? I've had uh, guys tell me like they're in the outfield and they're just chirping at them or um, kids asking them to sign foreheads, like just yeah. random things. Because the minor leagues, are, they're like right on you, basically, in these little stadiums. Um, like, how has that, that been for you? I, I haven't had too many experiences like that. I'm, I'm very fortunate where I feel like a, a good amount of the people that do kind of shout my name or are younger kids. Mm-hmm. Um probably following me from TikTok. I, I do TikTok videos kind of um, they're all baseball related for the most part, but I, I try to give kids insight on what my life is like as a pro baseball player and give them some information and education on the game. So my, my typical, you know, audience member on TikToks maybe 10 to 15 years old and they're pretty much aspiring to be in my shoes one day. So um, I'm lucky where I, I go to a city or even at home here in Memphis. And usually there's a group of maybe five kids that are yelling my name and, you know, are fans of mine, uh, you know, from TikTok. What is the strangest thing someone has asked you to sign? <laughs> I've, I haven't gotten really anything okay. too crazy. I mean, um, it, it's more of the basic stuff for yeah. me. Uh, I haven't really seen anything or uh, been asked to sign anything. Do you ever yeah. get these guys who are just like, hey, sign my baseball card and they got like 30 of them? Yeah, that that happens quite quite often. Yeah. <laughs> what yeah. do you do? You sign them, or what do, you, what do you? How do you? How do you react? Usually, to that? just one. Yeah, um, yeah. That that's usually it. Yeah. Wow, that's incredible. Um, so, like I said, Durham, uh, they sponsored this show. I love what they're doing, helping players. Um, I actually like to tell as many people as I can. I actually just spoke to a play, uh, baseball agent um, yesterday. He wanted to get his guys in there. Um, you obviously do work with them. Um, if you know a baseball player out there who's maybe struggling and maybe hesitant to be sponsored by Durham, uh, maybe because it's crypto or for whatever reason, like what would you say to them to kind of get them on board? Because I'm going to clip this and throw it on, on Twitter. Well, I'd probably just start off by saying it's not a scam. Yeah. Uh, that's where a lot of people kind of just view anything crypto related. And uh, what Durham Inu is doing is really doing exactly what their mission is. And it's helping minor leaguers across the nation. Um, with the tough 
you know, conditions that minor leaguers have to go through and the grind. Um, it's more of just think of it as a sponsorship. You know, someone's helping you out. There have been multiple organizations that do something very similar, but Duraminu has the the funding from the crypto world, which uh, what, what does that mean? It means that there's a lot of money in that scene. Um, so we're able to actually help out a ton of players uh, with a lot of money. Um, I think right now we've probably given out over $180,000 to roughly, let's say, 180 players. Um, is that right? Yeah, I think that's right. Basically around $1,000 a player um, in whatever needs they might need, you know, whether it's travel, whether it's, you know, groceries, rent, um, anything like that. Um, that's what Duraminu is here for. And uh, definitely ask questions with the people that have gone through the process. It's not hard at all. And uh, it's fairly easy. Awesome. And how did you get into the crypto world? Let's talk about that now, because you also are in, in, in NFTs and all that. Like, how did you get into the crypto world? And how did that lead you to create your own NFT? Yeah, so it take us back to basically 2017. I invested in Bitcoin on Coinbase. Uh, no one really knew what it was. I bought it when it was at like $12,000. It went up to like $18,000 or something like that. And I was like, wow, I just made a lot of money. Um, and then it went down during like the, the pandemic and in 2020. I actually decided to sell off because I was like, man, this is just too much you know, to keep track of. Um, and I sold it for a loss. Um, and it is what it is. Lesson learned. It wasn't any huge chunk of change where, you know, I felt terrible, you know, with that loss. But um, fast forward to spring training of 2021, I started hearing more and more about NFTs. I started understanding that you can create art and basically get paid for it digitally. So I, I basically bought myself an iPad, started creating. And my first piece sold on March 20, 26th of 2021 uh, for about 15 or $1,600. So my eyes kind of lit up when I saw that dollar amount. And then I just basically kept going. I, I kept going using that those funds to reinvest into uh, an Apple Pencil or, um, you know, a newer iPad, um, you know, a better program to be able to create things on. And uh, I started understanding a little bit more about business, a little bit more about marketing. And then throughout the course of the year, I um, basically saw that the board apes were starting to really flourish um, in only a few months. So I wanted to replicate that, create something that's never really been created before. And that's a sports themed NFT. Um, there really ha hadn't been any. Um, when we released the Diamond Dogs, it was late October. There was basically no sport themed NFTs out there. So I, I'm pretty confident in claiming that Diamond Dogs NFT was the very first NFT that was sports related, um, but also the very first NFT that was actually founded and the artwork was created by a current baseball player or athlete in general. Um, unfortunately, in the NFT scene, you see a lot of celebrities, athletes and influencers just buy, uh, you know, an artist. Basically, they just pay for an artist to do it. They put their name on it and they don't they're not really involved. And um, I'm very confident in saying that I'm probably the most active uh, athlete founder in the NFT scene. And I think that's um, a lot of people have taken notice um, with that. So you're more hands on, right? So you're actually creating every individual piece that you're selling. Yeah. Yeah. So where did I mean, I've heard this story before, like on other interviews, but just kind of 
brief summary, like where did the idea of the Diamond Dogs come from and um, yeah. where do you want to see it go next? Yeah, so the, the idea came when I was actually in Nashville. I was going through a rough time and I looked at my iPad and was kind of just brainstorming ideas on how can I create a baseball themed board eight, mm-hmm. basically. Um, and I came to the realization that the Diamond Dogs was a perfect fit. Um, I love dogs in general, but the, the saying that still li- uh, lives on in our clubhouse and in our dugout during games is something that you'll hear. Um, we yell out, swing it, dog. Um, and it's basically a way to show appreciation to someone that swings and really, really hard and takes a hack whenever they're swinging. Um, so it's kind of turned into our, our team motto. Um, and that started last year. So um, when I was looking at a blank canvas, I heard the, the, the phrase swing it dog, but I only really heard the word dog. So that's, that was going to be the, the base model or animal. Um, and then of course I wanted to make it baseball inspired and the name came and fit perfectly diamond dogs, the baseball diamond uh, dog, of course, from the, the name that we uh, our team motto. And then of course the, the dual meaning of, the word diamond um you know having diamond hands in the crypto scene is something that we all wish to have uh, especially in the nft world so that's kind of the the basis of where the project was coming from we wanted to mesh the two communities of crypto nft and you know the sporting community especially in baseball and i think so far we've done a great job of that yeah so you said swing it dog and i think the dog actually heard you because it was in the game yesterday in the, in the yeah. center field so <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. that's that's probably why you said that's that's problem awesome. solved case yeah. solved it's a random dog roaming around heard you say swing a dog jumped into the arms of the bullpen guys like now yeah. i feel like you and i just we could be detectives <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um so um where where do you want to see this go now because obviously you're you're doing well um i actually have a mm-hmm. uh, diamond dog it was actually gifted yeah. to me by the guys at durham um so like where do you want this to move forward um, and what is your goal? I'd love it to to be known as a very a, a baseball brand, uh, just like uh, I, w- I was very fortunate to see a brand like Evo Shield uh, start from basically nothing. They were hustling at some travel ball tournaments when I was around 12 years old. And I've been able to see them really, really grow and, you know, prosper in the, you know, NF- or in the in the baseball scene for what they've been able to provide um, their customers. I see it no different with the Diamond Dogs. I want to be able to provide for our customers in a way that, you know, year after year, we're able to see the growth of the company, of the brand, of the vision. And hopefully, you know, over time, we're going to be able to set new standards for the game of baseball, grow the game of baseball in uh, in an organic way. And that way we can start seeing positive impact for the game and the community around the sport that I love. Yeah. No, I appreciate you saying that because, I mean, I think baseball is one of those sports that really just lacks when it comes to players uh, promoting their own brand for promoting the baseball brand in general, right? Because I'm a baseball like diehard, right? I follow the game since yeah. I was a kid. Uh, Puerto Rican, like baseball is huge and like for my dad and his family. Um, so just seeing people out there and play baseball players specifically out there um, making the game fun. Um, and kind of showing a younger generation, like this is something, you know, to get interested in, because like I said, baseball, I feel like they do a poor job when it comes to like marketing or supporting or like just really just compared to like football. Like you can see any football player and you know who they are, right? You can see a baseball player. You may not even know they play baseball. 
Um, so I love what you're doing. Um, the baseball boys and other uh, guys, uh, some podcasts. I know a lot of a few minor leaguers starting their own podcasts and like the compound. They're doing a great job, kind of um, showing like the fun side of baseball. Um, so that's that's incredible what you're doing. Thank you. I really appreciate it. Yeah. So let's let's talk about this as you as a baseball player. Um, like, are you a superstitious player? Um, like, what are some of your like routines um, heading into like, every game that you play? Yeah, there, there, there's too many to count or really to <laughs> list, but I, I'd say I'm definitely a very superstitious guy where I like to do the same thing, but also I, I have to tell myself if I'm doing the same thing every single day and I'm expecting different results, that's literally the definition of someone who's crazy. So um, this year I'm going to kind of relax a little bit more on the superstitions and um, try, you know, try something else, try something else and see if... Uh, that can result in maybe more of a positive impact I can bring my team and with my performance. Mm -hmm. So what about walk-up songs then? Like, how do you, do you change your walk-up song if you're struggling? Like what goes into the, into the decision of of picking one out? Like, What is your song now? Songs are just, you know, whatever I'm vibing with at the time. Um, Usually I'll I'll keep them for maybe a month or two, um, depending of course on how I'm playing. If I'm, you know, swinging it good, I'm probably going to keep that walk-up song. But uh, for the most part, I like just staying uh, with the times, if something is, you know, if there's a certain song that's really hot um, and a lot of people are liking, I, I kind of cater towards the the fans um, just as much as I would cater to myself um, to make sure it's a song that, you know, people can bob their head to or they can start dancing in their seat. Either way, it's something that I want people to get excited when I come up to the plate. Yeah. So do you have like a, a song that's like your go to song when you're like in a slump and you're like, man, I need my, my old faithful. Not, to like... not really. No, I, I haven't repeated a song in a while okay. because I feel like it's just, uh, you know, I like keeping things different and shaking sure. things up. So that's where my mind's at usually. OK. Um, so when you're not playing baseball, what do you do for fun? Like, are you a golfer? Obviously, you're like I said, you're big into the art. But like, do you yeah. what else do you do? I, I, I'd say majority of my free time, I like doing research and it might sound really really boring but i'm uh learning to love the the grind of the business side of things marketing finding answers finding solutions and of course you know putting my head down and making sure that my time is being uh used in a good way so i try to stay away from things like video games netflix and whatnot um i i I try to spend just about every second that i can when i'm awake you know, doing something productive. Of course, it's hard to do that 24-7. So um, I actually am one of those types of people that needs to learn how to turn off my brain sure. more uh, and more because sometimes it's it's challenging for me. Mm-hmm. No, I get that. Like you're you're trying to grow your brand. You're trying to be a better baseball player. There's so many things you're focused on. Like it takes a lot of your effort and, you know, it probably takes mm-hmm. effort to be like, look, I, I have to just take some time and just like yeah. relax and like exactly turn yeah. off the brain and just kind of focus on like nothing. Yeah, yeah, and it, and that's a challenging thing for me. So I'm I'm working on that. I think it's important for all of us to to work on each other, um, to help each other. I should say, um, you know, that's one thing that I I've included into the Diamond Dogs like Discord channel is a, a mental health awareness channel where people can freely speak their mind on it, any challenges that they're going through or any progress pictures of maybe they're working out a little bit more. Um, they want to show how many steps that they took today. Things like that, we really want to encourage a, a healthy environment where everyone's able to really help each other out, bettering themselves and becoming the best versions of themselves. 
Yeah. So if somebody wants to buy a, a diamond dog, like how do they? How's that process? Uh, it, it's really not too hard once you get the the hang of it. Mm-hmm. But I'd say head over to the link in my bio on Instagram or on Twitter or on TikTok, and at the very very top of it, it'll it'll be a link to a YouTube video that I created, and I'll literally hold your hand through the entire process, explain you know the very very first and fundamental things that you need to do to basically fund your Coinbase account how to link that to your MetaMask and whatnot. And uh, of course, if you have any problems, feel free to DM me. I feel like I'm pretty approachable with things like this. So um, definitely, you know, use me as a resource. Awesome. Well, hey, I'm glad you came on the podcast. I thank you for taking your time. I know your busy season just started. Um, yeah. Hopefully we see you in the majors soon. I'm a, I live in Wisconsin. Um, so like the Brewers are my national league team that I cheer for. You're a Cardinal soon. Um, so I hope you do well as an individual. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> but uh, no, I, I do. I do hope if you can make your debut in in Cub against the Cubs or against the Brewers, <laughs> so that I can be there and see it. Um, yeah, I, if awesome. we can kind of work that out a little bit. <laughs> Absolutely, but uh, yeah. no, I do. I do wish you all the success this season. Again, I thank you for coming on. We'll keep in contact. I'll have to have you come back on at some point. But uh, I do appreciate what you're doing, man. All right, thank you, and I appreciate you for you know creating this podcast and yeah. of course you know spreading the the knowledge of so many great people. And, yeah. Uh, it's going to be awesome to see you grow as well. I appreciate that. Yeah, thank you. Um, I feel like I'm in the minors of the podcast world. <laughs> we all have to start somewhere. Yeah. I, one of my favorite sayings is we all start with zero followers. Yeah. Um, so I know that's the the almost social currency nowadays is how many followers mm-hmm. does everyone have? Well, guess what? We all start from zero. It's all about how you you know put yourself out there, sure. um, how consistent you are, and then you'll be able to see those numbers grow. Um maybe day after day, maybe month after month, but either way consistently will show, um, you know, how well you're growing. Yeah, no, I appreciate that. And like I said, um, I hope you have a great rest of your day and uh, thanks for coming on, man. Absolutely. Thank you very much for having me. You got it. Appreciate it. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.